Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. You're here because you want to learn about how to live a healthier life, how to live more sustainably, how to take your everyday actions and make them work for you and the planet. Sometimes it might feel like you've got this figured out, and other times you probably feel lost. That's why I'm here. Together, we will learn how to live happier, healthier lives without the need to be perfect and always allowing space for a little cluelessness on this journey to living a more conscious life. One of my early guests, Kristen Mandela, is back. We get into how our journeys of sustainability and veganism have grown over the past few years, what's changed, what hasn't. It was so fun. Here we go. Are you ready to hear some good news stories? Dive into the Healthy Seas podcast and meet the people doing all they can to help the seas and oceans thrive from above and below the waves. Host Crystal DiMichelli talks to diverse fishers, experts, and more about what they're doing to protect our source of life and how you and I can help from wherever we are. Healthy Seas is a marine conservation organization whose mission is to tackle the ghost fishing phenomenon and turn this waste into an opportunity for a more circular economy. They do this through cleanups, prevention, education, working with partners who recycle and repurpose this material. This new show highlights their work and the work of their peers around the world. Go to forcesfornature.com slash healthy seas podcast to listen. I was looking at our listening and looking at the transcript of our first interview. Yeah. And we definitely, we talked about going vegan and being sustainable and all those things that mm-hmm. we both like to talk about. I know this is a, such a broad question, but how is your understanding of veganism and sustainability and those things like what what has shifted in the last couple of years? What are how are things different? Because I know my viewing of even just in the last two years of mm-hmm. the importance of veganism or how to talk about it, like so many things evolve. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I've gone through a pretty fundamental shift in just like my understanding of the climate crisis and like my role in it. And I think a lot of it has been a direct response to what's been going on in, I think, North America specifically. Obviously, I'm Canadian, you're American. We, we've we gone through a lot of similar things, different in terms of like our political leaders or whatever, but I think we get affected right. by similar things. And for me, my political beliefs have gotten far more radical. I definitely believe that capitalism and the economic structures that we are in right now will have only led to further division and further economic disparity and further poverty at the direct like benefit and gain of the elite. And I think I don't want to lose any anybody right off the ga- gate by just going straight into like No, I'm loving capitalism. this. I'm like, yeah, fuck capitalism. <laughs> I know, but I think it just it's become like incredibly apparent that the structures that are in place are only there to serve a very specific group of people. And I think just seeing how, yeah, even just economically, like it's really difficult to survive the average person right now. And I think having an understanding of where the poverty line is and just how close like the average person is to it, like even beyond their understanding, I think the average person doesn't understand that like the middle class doesn't really exist anymore. And a lot of people are living in poverty and not even realizing it, like how close we are to just not being able to save and just all of our money going towards things like rent and food. And that seen normal, right? And that is the norm and it's got to pay their dues. I'm like, yeah, but I'm 30 now. And the dues that were being paid before had them in houses by 25. So I don't think the same dues are being paid with all respect. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I don't yeah. think 
that it's really, we're not living in the same reality. And I think for me, I'm trying to maintain, because I think you and I come from a very similar place of wanting to be optimistic, not wanting to share any more climate dread or being a super negative presence on the internet because there's already so much of that. And I think both of us, I think that's a really big through line for both of our content. And just as people, we always want to share, yeah, things are urgent and shitty, but there are positive elements to it. And we can be positive lights in this system, but fuck, I I can swear, right? (laughs) It's hard out here. Like it's hard when you go to the grocery store and it's difficult to buy the food and the quality of food that you're used to buying or that you'd like to buy to be able to have a healthful. So I don't know whether that answers your question or not, but I think in general, yeah. And even I think my, it has trickled down to my understanding of veganism because I think I'm far more understanding and empathetic than I ever have been. And I don't think before I really truly understood like the economic or mental barriers that stood in the way for people to become vegan. And I think now I'm seeing like people truly just stressed about like their day-to-day lives. And I'm much more compassionate and empathetic with people than I ever was before as a vegan. I think before Mm. I was like animals and humans are just selfish. And and I didn't have the compassion that I had for animals and the environment that I did for people. I I was like very frustrated by the excuses and stuff for people. I was like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, why can't you just try this? And I'm like, oh no, people like are trying to survive. You know what I mean? It's Um, hard for people to survive right now. And it has really led into like my activism shifting to be much more like human focused. And that I do think that we can be positive forces in the world without maybe checking every single box that I thought we had to check. You know what I mean? It can be a lot more nuanced and maybe even messy or imperfect or whatever in a way that I was I'd always be like, yeah, imperfect environmentalism. But for me, I had to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like, I I would be like, you can eat meat, you can do whatever. But like, for me, if I was like walking down the street with a plastic bag, I was like, Oh my God, somebody yeah, better not like the paps are going to come out. <laughs> when I got a straw. Oh my God, seriously. And I'd be like, like why can everyone else have this level of compassion? But I couldn't have it for myself. So now I'm just trying to eat it the way that I see it for other people where I'm like, yeah, my mom or people in my life that have, I have friends that have struggled with eating disorders and for them, veganism, it really just isn't something that mentally they can do to be able to show up healthily for themselves and for their partners and for their kids. So I'm like, I'm not going to yell at this person and say, right. you're being selfish where I'm like, they for their own health, feel like they can't have a restrictive diet. I can't ever fault that person. That's not an option. Like it's just, it's, and if it is, and I know some people feel that way about veganism, but I'm like, if, you know, that is your hard line in veganism, that's fine. That just, it's not mine. It's not for me. That, that type of super dogmatic. I just think food is, is so nuanced and so personal. And I think it's hard to tell somebody that they are a bad person or contributing to something when they when their baseline is just so different than ours. It's just, it's difficult to for me to do that. Oh, 100%. And it, it took me a hot minute to get there because I'm a white girl, like mm-hmm. losing of privilege. Absolutely. And being like, why can't you figure this out? Oh my with, God, big time. You like know, for you without, and I, there was no barriers. There was no cultural barriers. There was no whatever. I'd be like, yeah, just change. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. Just you what, done, it's just, yeah, exactly. People just being like, <laughs> wow, you, okay, child, you have no yeah. idea what the world is like. And I think that my, I still love the idea of individual action. Mm-hmm. Like, I still really think that it's a way for us to stay connected to the mission, right? Yeah, totally. But my hope that everyone's individual action will just like 
acutely changed the world, mm-hmm. I think, has shifted. And it doesn't mean I have less hope. It means I had to put hope different places, I think. Yeah, totally. I love that. Absolutely. It's so true. Be- because it's there's so many. And it's so funny. It took me a hot second to get there because it's like I was a sociology major. All mm-hmm. we talked about was systematic injustice. And yeah. it took me a while to understand the systematic stuff with like right. sustainability totally. and veganism. And I'm like, oh, it's a system problem. And it is like pulling a loose thread on a sweater, right? Like sometimes yes. also when we're in a place where the world is crumbling around us, it is hard to go to that systemic place in our minds because then it's holy shit. What yeah. do we have control over? What do we, where can we affect change? And I think when it's very comfortable to just focus on yourself and dive inward and be like, what can I do? Because I'm in control of me, I think, yep. for the most yep. part. Um, yeah. <laughs> but when you start to look at like the bigger structures in place, you're like, oh, I can't control these elements of it. You know what I mean? It starts to feel far more overwhelming. And that's when you feel like well, nothing I do really matters. And then there's like that cycle that we all, I think every yes. environmentalist or any person in the activism space has been like burnout central where you're like, oh, I'm in intro all of myself. This is amazing. Oh, wait, the system is so big. Nothing can ever happen. And then you like dip down and then it comes back around. Seriously. Been on that hamster wheel for a few years now. <laughs> that is seriously so true. As has your, you mentioned changing your activism is how you perform activism changed? Is that what you mean? Yeah. I think for me, it's also just been an understanding that it doesn't have to look like how I thought it would. I'm doing a, I'm trying to get more involved politically, like definitely trying to encourage people around me through word of mouth on and offline to maintain a lot of skepticism, but also it's a fine line, right? Like you want people to be skeptic, skeptic, or I guess skeptical, sorry, of the political system and, and their leaders, but you also want them to understand that like voting does affect change. He's like, yes. he's like, no, like our leaders are shady, but we have to vote and we have to engage in our political system as much as possible. And like just having a better understanding of how the Canadian government works and signing petitions, not just on change.org, but like actual like legislative petitions where they have to read them out in the House of Commons and stuff like that. Like, that's been something that I think makes me feel better like i we have members of we have these an mpp so like members of parliament and the members of provincial parliament so that okay. we can message them directly like they all have like public emails and phone numbers mm-hmm. where we can like directly call them and just be like hi this has been really like bothering me what's your stance on this and they get back to you and i've been trying to do that a little bit more often just because yeah i think i just was I don't know what I thought my activism was. I just think I I really put it on the individual more than I put it on like corporations. And I used to always have this phrase where I was like, before you can hold corporations or governments accountable, you have to hold yourself accountable. And that was like my go-to like zinger line. And then I was <laughs> reflecting on that recently and I was like, but how can we hold ourselves accountable when they're not even playing by the same rules as we are? Like they are mm. fundamentally putting barriers in place for the individual to be an effective environmentalist, to care for their environment. Like even in in Toronto right now, they're bulldozing like 200 plus year old trees to make room for more construction and condos and for a new subway line. And indigenous groups and all these things are protesting and it goes, it falls on deaf ears and they do it anyway at night or when people aren't there. And you're like, okay, well, how can I then hold an individual to be like, you got to do your part when that can't be said for the people in power. You know what I mean? So I think Mm -hmm. I'm like far easier going on individuals now. Like I do think that, as you said, it's a great way to stay connected to the mission and feel, honestly, I love being in nature. I love slow living. I love doing these things, but it doesn't mean that's going to 
start the revolution. Like it's not going to be the thing that yeah. really drastically brings about change. I do think that it's something that really, for me, directly benefits my mental health, directly benefits my physical health. I feel great when I'm outside. I feel great when I'm around other people. I feel great when I'm off my phone. And I feel great when I'm like buying from local shops that I can like speak to face with the people that own them. Like those things make me feel like I'm a part of a community, but it's the loud, noisy, destructive stuff that unfortunately gets the bigger guys at the top to listen. Yeah, truly. And I think that I've had to, I've just had to be a better listener, I think. Mm, and totally. I've always, I've really always thought of myself as quite a good listener and I have a podcast. I hope I am in some ways <laughs> listening to opinions that maybe make me bristle, listening mm -hmm. to the perspectives that I struggle to understand and building some empathy there Yeah, has been really crucial to me just like calming down yeah, and not getting so anxious. And also not so reactive and responsive to what people, I think a lot of it for me, I found was like projection. Like when I felt like I wasn't doing all I could do, I would hear somebody not doing anything and I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? There's a crisis out yes. here, people. Like, listen up. Like, ah. yes. that like, makes me so jittery and like on the defense immediately or just to be like, well, why aren't you doing anything? Why don't you give a shit? Like, why are you going to the grocery store without your own bags? And I'd be like, okay, I have to listen to myself. Why is this causing such a huge reaction in me? It's probably because I feel like there's something in me that I could be doing more of or like all that projection I've been trying to listen to a little bit more because I think also in our position, as you mentioned, it is easy for us to cast the first stone to be like, why aren't you doing this? But then you have to yeah. sit and be like, what are all these barriers to entry that we've never even thought about before? Even with the food stuff, like me having a better understanding of my food systems and talking to my partner's family who's Mexican and Spanish and like their relationship with food is fundamentally something I will never understand. And I never will yeah. have a tie to certain dishes that remind them of family, that remind them of community, that bring them closer to places that they no longer live. Mm. I've never had to experience that. And also the way that their food systems were set up, let's say in Mexico, were far less industrialized and far less damaging. You know what I mean? So like even that tie to food when I'm like, anytime you eat chicken, it's like, well, for them, that wasn't the case. So right. I can't project like my only understanding of going to my local superstore where every single chicken breast is cut without blood and where it's like these perfect little things. And I'm like, that's all chicken. It's not for them. So I can't just ha like paint everything with one brush because their experience is, is just not what mine is. And I think that's made me realize that for me, yeah, I've had a bit of a hard time with veganism, honestly, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I think my health has struggled on and off forever, like way before veganism. But I think I listen to some activists, especially indigenous voices, and it is something that I've learned a lot more of. And I think I think we always see ourselves as negative contributors in this system. Like, it's hard not to, mm -hmm. right? Like, we see humans and we're like, oh my God, they're just takers. We just don't give anything back. But I think when we do look to predominantly like indigenous communities and leaders, like, we can see that humans have had for a long time a very symbiotic and beautiful and give and take relationship with the environment. And that give and take also has the life and the death cycle in it, right? Like, when we look at people that take ex only what they need, and they use it to nourish themselves and their community. And they are constantly giving back as well. Like it's not something that's just take as we are so familiar with. For me, I look at that and I'm like, that makes sense to me. Like to be a part of the life and death cycle of animals and the planet as we are, because we live and we die and we 
go back into the earth. So that's something that I'm like wrestling with, to be honest. Not that I'm saying that I'm going to go to an outback and order a steak like that. That's absolutely not the case. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like in terms of like we have a local market and they sell uh, like wildflower flower honey. And like when I'm sick, I do have a little bit of honey. So and technically by a lot of people's accounts, I am not vegan. Mm -hmm. But for me, being able to support my local farmer's market and a local vendor who's trying to save bees... I don't look at that as an exploitive relationship with the planet or with bees because I right. we were able to talk to the person and we were able to like um, go online on their website and see their values and they're so mission driven. You know what I mean? Like for those things, I'm like, that's in alignment with how I feel veganism is, which is right. or at least like my ethics behind it, which is like trying right. to do as little harm as possible and have a closer relationship with nature. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but <laughs> no, I think that's really beautiful. And what's really important about it is that you're being honest, right? Is because of course, when you decide to put a label on yourself, it's probably good to question it, right? Like it's probably good to revisit that and say, mm -hmm. does this still fit? Am I still living how I want to does this? I think that's like a part of it. Yeah, totally. Is and being I think willing I to do that. Yeah. And I think veganism, like it's brought me so much joy and I can see that for you as well. Like it is mm -hmm. in a lot of ways is a very beautiful community, but there are also as there are with any communities, very toxic elements of it. And I think when I get inundated with some of that toxicity, it makes me question what elements I want to take from it and what elements I want to leave behind. Yeah. And I think for me, I don't use the word vegan as often because I do know that if I did tell anyone that I had eaten honey or slipped up or there was something in my food and I have been not as easygoing, but just trying to reevaluate my relationship with food. Also, because I've realized through many years of therapy as well that I have had some disordered eating ten tendencies mm, and have yeah. a very fear-based relationship with food that I am trying to actively repair. So... I'm trying to be like a little easier going on myself. If there is like a small ingredient in something, I'm trying to be like, you know what? Like my body will be fine. I will be fine. This doesn't right. make me a bad person because before I was noticing I was eating and I would be like clenched. My stomach would be tense. I wouldn't be breathing because oh, I would wow. be like nervous that there was something in there that I wasn't supposed to be eating or there was something in there that was going to make me feel sick. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm having a stressful relationship with my food. Like yeah. I'm really stressed out before I'm eating and I'd be nervous that it would say something about my values or like I was, it was wow. just, it had really gotten to a place where it was just like, I'm not enjoying food. I'm really just making it something that my friends would go out and enjoy this beautiful meal together. And I'd be like, we'll have the salad and fries. And I would almost have it like a, it was like a martyrdom. I'd be like, I'm so brave and I'm denying myself this. And I have this bigger ethos that nobody understands. And now I'm like, oh, it's done a lot of damage to my, to the community that you can find in food and just my ability to like sit and enjoy something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm trying to go, not that I'm, yeah, again, not that I'm saying I'm doing away with, I guess, plant-based eating or however you want to say it. I truly, I love it. And it's done so much for me, but I think when I read some of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of and somebody will be like, hey, like me and my partner, I'm vegan and they're not. And we want to go out for, is there food that it would serve both of us? And they're like, so you want to go to a meat eating or a, like a flesh eating restaurant? Like you're not even vegan if you have a partner that's vegan. And I'm just like, whoa, this is not what I enjoy in this. You know what I mean? That type of stuff is just terrible. And not what you want. Like when I share on the internet, like, hey, I can help you go vegan. I don't want people to think of that shit. No, totally. And I think that's like, what, unfortunately, they are always the fucking loudest. You know? Seriously. Like, oh, loud and annoying. I've joined a few Facebook groups, vegan, whatever, a lot of the times to just promote the podcast or totally. connect with other people and stuff. 
And there was one that I immediately got kicked out of, I think, because you had to answer a question to get it. Okay. And the question was, would you ever buy non-vegan food for a friend or family member? And I said, yes, I did last week. My mom was sick and I went and got her soup. And that like, was <laughs> I got in, I got Booted. messages from people oh, that went like god. that to see my answer and told me I was like a terrible person. Oh my god. And I it at first it made me laugh, but then I was like, no, this is a real marketing issue. Yeah. It's in ineffective activism to the nth degree. And I think that dogmatism is exactly what people look at when I tell somebody that I'm vegan. They're like, yeah, I've been yes. vegan for six or seven years. And they're like, holy shit, what the hell? What's wrong? You know what I mean? Like, and it brings that defensiveness up because that's what they feel like they're inundated with. And so much negativity. And if we really take a step back and think about effective activism, you want to do as little harm as possible to the yeah. planet and to your bodies and to these systems that are obviously exploitative. Like regardless of how my relationship with food develops, there is no chance I would ever enter back into a system that I would support like factory farming. Or, like, right. No, there, it's gone. It's There's no chance. Yeah. But I do think that having this hard line in the sand of good person, bad person. Like I posted a story the other day where I was just saying my food, my relationship with veganism is changing. And now I think that there are many ways to be an effective environmentalist or whatever. You don't have to be vegan. And I got messages from people being like, veganism is actually animal first. So when you put that, you're like not being truthful and you're like misleading people about veganism. And it was a kind of, like I understood because I've been in that position before that her messaging yeah. was coming from a place of like, Veganism is for the animals. It's not environmental movement. And when you say veganism in the same breath as environmentalism, you mislead what veganism is actually about, which is like no leather, no this, no that. And I'm like, totally fair. I get that. But semantics. So it, it is semantics. And at the end of the day, it was meant to put into question like how I'm like my viewpoint initially. And I think a lot of my friends that I have online that are vegan always talk about like, um, speciesism and the fact that like whenever I say stuff, it it is promoting speciesism. And I'm like, I that's a whole bag of worms that I'm not super, not that I'm not familiar with it. I, I understand it, but I think that veganism sometimes loses the compassion for humans and for a system that is so exploitative of animals and people and planet that we just sometimes need to get a little bit angrier at the people at the top and not so yes. much at the everyday person that's sure I need to feed my kids and things are really expensive so I might have to go get fast food tonight that's not who I'm angry at I'm angry at the large people that own these conglomerates that are skyrocketing groceries so that people can't afford healthful food you know what I mean that's who I'm angry at yeah. I'm not angry at the person that's trying to feed their family that's just I think the fire sometimes is on the wrong people and it's serves as a distraction from the people that we should be really getting mad at all the time. 100%. And that's the idea, right? The system wants us to be mad at each other because then of they course. can be fucking us and we don't notice. Totally. And it just, I think in the vegan community specifically, there is a lot of infighting. So it's like, if, even if yes. I told people that I had honey, I would probably get cooked out of half the vegan groups that I'm in because I'm killing bees when it's, there is a lot more nuance into it. And if you do look back, we have not always had an exploitive relationship with animals. We've had a really beautiful and symbiotic relationship with animals. And I think we especially from a white vegan standpoint, only think of ourselves like these negative actors, but it really, right. honestly, I think it erases a lot of indigenous voices where it's like, they've obviously been living in symbiosis in some way. And I think learning from them, even if it means like in a city environment, I can be vegan super easily. And that's something that right. I like, it's different, but I think, I don't know. I just think sometimes it gets a little too dogmatic and I'm like, I understand why people would be scared to be a part of it yes. because- 
it's hard to be perfect in a system that doesn't want us to be and that actively tries to make us fuck up all the time. So if yeah. we're t- expecting perfectionism from people when they're just trying to get by, like that doesn't seem super attractive as a, of a proposition to me. No, not at all. And I'm curious in the name of nuance, what you think mm-hmm. about this? Cause I, I realize this is going to sound like I'm being grossly like to play devil's advocate. No, no, no. All what, good. Let's do it. I, stir it up. Stir it up. Mean. That's not what I mean. But in the sense of nuance, I also realized I felt like there was like, there's we're exploited or we're the people that are exploiting. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's true because we're all in this capitalist bullshit system, late stage capitalism. Yeah, but totally. I'm also like, there are people in between where I'm like, you could do more. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of privilege and you have a lot of resources. And so whether it's going vegan or it's caring about the environment or something that like betters our future, there mm-hmm. are some times where I want to be like, yes, you are the victim of this exploitive system, but here's actually- But they're also perpetrators in some elements. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so it's like, I want to, I think I posted a reel the other day that was like, your excuses don't matter. And right. I said in the caption, not the barriers, systematic barriers to entry. Right. But I'm saying like, what excuses do you have that are keeping like, absolutely it's hard to talk about those things. With, it is. It, it, and it's important though, because it it's, I want to, there are, there's times where I am in my own way where I'm like mm. making excuses that are bullshit. And all mm. of us do that. We could be doing things maybe a little, we could be a little more honest with ourselves. Yeah. I could drink mm-hmm. more water. I could work right. out today. Whatever yeah. it is. So it's like important to push ourselves and others. If they're following me. Hopefully they want that in that direction too, but Absolutely. not to be from a place of, I think what you're doing is wrong and finding yeah. that line in messaging can be tricky. Does that make sense? This podcast is supported by Who Gives a Crap. Who Gives a Crap is an eco-friendly toilet paper company that donates 50% of its profits to help ensure everyone has access to clean water and a toilet within our lifetime. Who Gives a Crap has donated almost 8 million U.S. dollars to nonprofit organizations who help provide clean water and toilets all over the world. Who Gives a Crap is delivered straight to your door with carbon-neutral delivery. I love that it comes that way. I don't have to think about it. It's an automatic subscription, and I want you to try it. You can check out Who Gives a Crap and get $10 off your first order over $54 with the code CARLY10. That's C-A-R-L-Y-10, or check out the link in the show notes. This podcast is supported by Parade Underwear. Parade believes that the materials that touch your skin should be as comfortable as possible wherever life takes you. That's why their styles come in a large range of fabrics from seamless universal that disappears under clothes to cozy waffles plush comfort that keep you comfy on every occasion. Parade understands that everyone deserves to express themselves however they choose because we're all unique. And Parade knows that there's no parade without our planet. They strive to make all of their products from reclaimed, recycled, responsible, renewable, or regenerative materials. This is really a win-win-win. I love Parade. I've been wearing them for a while now, and I can't recommend them enough. And of course, we love the mission. Use code consciously.carly for 20% off your first order. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-L-Y dot c-a-r-l-y consciously dot carly enjoy your new undies 
Yeah, it absolutely does. And I see that specifically with the Gen X boomer kind of demographic where it's like they've been able to save a a comfortable level of wealth for the most part, like depending on where they're from or where they live. But as an example, let's say they're like upper middle class. Yeah, I do think that do they need two cars? Do they need to be investing in a company that's one of the, I think of like my parents or my parents' friends where I'm like, oh, you're all of your investments are in a company in Canada, at least RBC is fourth biggest in the world. Yeah, the Royal Bank of Canada is like the fourth biggest, I think, in the world in fossil fuel investments or maybe North America. Either way, they're up there and they're the biggest in Canada. And I've talked to my parents about like pulling their investments and stuff like that. But it's it's such an arduous process. It's so obnoxious on purpose, obviously. It's very difficult to right. move your investments on purpose. But I think about those things where I'm like, oh, that would actually have a profound impact. Moving your entire retirement yeah. fund or whatever from a bank that directly... Money. Yeah, absolutely. Money talks. And I think that is the currency of the Gen X boomer generation. And I think our generations. And I think in a lot of cases, the everyday lifestyle stuff, like I've talked to my parents, I've talked to my parents' friends about making those behavioral changes. And I think in a lot of ways, they'll order the veggie burger at an off time on the menu, or they'll try a new recipe, sure. But I think like the foundational changes are really different, like those behavioral everyday changes, like they're probably after 45 years, not going to change their toothpaste brand as as much as I'd love them to. I think money talks. And I think money is something that they can conceptually understand. You know what I mean? So for me, that's one thing that I often bring up is, okay, where's your money invested? Do you care about the future that you're leaving for your kids or your grandkids enough to move your money to a place that you can stand behind ethically? And I think that's for that kind of demographic of people, something that I think they can, they can understand. I'm not going to be like, Hey, now you have to oil pull and use toothpaste tabs and have a bamboo toothbrush. They're going to be like, I don't want any of those things actually. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I I think that's a point that I like to touch on for that kind of group. I don't want to sound like I'm like compartmentalizing people into groups, but I do think that sometimes when you talk to people, it does go over their head because they're living in a totally different system where they grew up not thinking about the end of the world necessarily in the same way. Maybe they did in like the Cold War days kind of thing. And I understand that element, but like from elementary school, we've been told about global warming, the greenhouse effect, all these things, how they're going to affect our life, biodiversity. Like we have had these things ingrained into our brains. Yeah. And it has affected how we live on this planet and the urgency that we feel that I don't think has trickled down to that older generation. Then they know they're going to ride out into the pasture. And that's something that you and I will never experience. I don't know. There's a. It's hard to talk to somebody that has had such a different understanding of the economic system, even capitalism. You bring up the big C, you bring up capitalism at a dinner party and it's like, <laughs> capitalism paid for your entire life. So it's okay. Yeah, I understand. But that doesn't mean that I can't be critical of a system that also has yes. driven millions of people into poverty and is the direct responsibility like, for poisoning people. Oh my God, the thing in Ohio, don't even get me started. Ohio? Jesus, I've been really, <clears throat> yeah, it's really terrible what's going on. And I think <sighs> it's it hard on those days to, to not be pessimistic. It, it, it is. And you know what? And I've been, I've started to be a little bit more okay with that too. Like today I'm really pissed yeah. off because the world's on fire and it Yeah, sucks. totally. Yeah. And like, if and I'm letting like yourself that feel that, month, not be like, it's everything's fine. There's like toxic yeah. positivity too, where oh, like we don't let ourselves be 100%. upset about stuff because we're like, we're gonna figure this all out. And like underneath my hands are shaking. <laughs> yeah, I'm you like having I mean? a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I can have those days and I have to check in with myself if they're like lasting and lasting, obviously. Of but course. allowing yourself to have those moments of being like, Of course, this is upsetting. This shit's scary. Totally. This, 
sucks. It, it this conversation makes me want to though do more posts about this is why we're scared. Yeah. This, or like they there here's some nuance. Yes, you don't have total control, but some of you do. I kind of want to play that line a little bit of we're po- we're cogs in a machine, but here's where you have agency. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an important part because I think the one thing that has been bothering me a lot about social media is the death of nuance. And I feel <laughs> seriously, like when I'm seriously. online, I have to, and I actually heard this video, but this, I think he was, I don't know if he was like in studying language or whatever, but he was remarking on the fact that he noticed this change in how we're talking. And mm. I, as soon as he started saying it, I was like, holy shit, I do this, where you are constantly putting caveats while you're talking to ensure that you are not pissing someone off. So you oh go, veganism is a great way to reduce your harm on the Obviously, I understand, though, that there are some barriers, systemic barriers to people going vegan. But in, and I do this constantly. And if I try to do a story and time as on a TikTok or what, and as a woman, as, of course, like it's going to be difficult because yeah. you don't want to piss people off and you have a bit more maybe cult, you've been cultured to have a bit more of a people pleasing tendency. But I think oh. I've noticed that I'm like trying to do a story time and I'm like, well, I try to do my best for the environment within means because I understand the economics. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not even saying a definitive statement anymore. I can't even say. Wow this is a good way of doing things because I'm constantly trying to put caveats because I'm nervous that somebody's going to grab a hold of one part of my sentence and say, actually, that's not fucking blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm defending myself before even somebody's had a chance to watch my video oh, or shit. consume any of my content. And I'm trying to be better at like practicing nuance, but also talking about nuance and the fact that like in one 30 second video, you don't have to input every single caveat to not piss off any single person. You know what I mean? And not be scared of maybe saying a declarative statement and yeah. backing it up and being like, I obviously don't mean this t- like this person that maybe has been exploited or like you're allowed to just say stuff and not have it include every single person that could possibly be under the, you know what I'm saying? You're so right. I do that too. And I worked with a business coach a year ago when I, a year ago, this like right now, actually, when I quit my Mm. full-time job and took the jump into growing this business and I follow her online and she posts a lot about being like, your message isn't for everyone, regardless of what you're, whether you're a business coach, whether you're a life coach, whether you're a vegan coach, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. the content, like reality check, the content I'm putting online, not everyone's going to like. And I think that's what I'm failing at. I am trying to make content for everyone. And (laughs) I think it's stupid because not everyone even in my real life likes me. So why would I try to online where it's going to see everyone? Why would I try to make content that everyone would like on the internet of all fucking places? (laughs) Seriously, when you just said it that way, I was like, Oh my God, not even people I'm like physically around physically always around, like of course, not even all the time. Even like sometimes they like you, sometimes they're annoyed at you. Like, of course, because that's how we interact with the world too. Sometimes I'm annoyed at people. Sometimes I love them. Sometimes whatever. I follow people that sometimes they put on a video. I'm like, well, that didn't really hit for me. Like, that's not really my take. doesn't mean that I unfollow yeah. them and tell them to go kill themselves. Like I just, I'm like, yeah. And I, but I, again, with us always, I think holding ourselves to a different standard, we're allowed to have that nuance with other people and forgiveness or whatever changing feelings, but we can't have that. And I think it has severely limited how I show up online. Even my brother, he'll always say, why aren't you yourself online? Like you're way goofier. You're way weirder. You're all these things. Like you're funnier and you're louder and you're like more aggressive and like more definitive. And I'm like, I don't know. I go online. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like where is the fire? You know yes, what I mean? Where's the fire where I'm telling someone to literally fuck off because I don't agree with it? You know what I mean? But I'm afraid to show up as that person because 
you see someone get dragged on social media, it's fucking scarring. It's, it's hard bad. to unsee. People find your home address and your mom's name and like it's scary out here and it's hard to want to go into the world and want to ruffle feathers because you can see that people are chronically online and haven't touched grass in a while and it's a hard place to go out and be like I'm gonna go and just be unapologetically myself when you've seen people do that and get burned that's so true and I think it's it hasn't necessarily been conscious in the way you just described it but in the last just recently in the last couple of months, I think I've tried to make more of a concerted effort to be a little bit goofier on my mm-hmm. stories. I know. I, noticed, little, I like it. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm yeah. just like, cause that's how I am. Right. And it is weird. And I was like, why am I not doing that? Why am I like, hi guys. Yeah. Nice Let's see talk you. about this. And I'm like, who, and, who is this person? <laughs> yeah. That's not how I would present a presentation in person about this mm-hmm. topic. I would be funny and rely on my wit and humor to get me through totally. life. Yeah. Seriously. Trauma developed. Like, otherwise, what do we go through all that for if it wasn't for our sense of humor? <laughs> Hello. Seriously. So it's like just lately I've been and making more videos of like right to camera. Hey guys, mm-hmm. guess yeah. what? blah, 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 blah. Instead of always trying to be like, let's use a cute trend. Sometimes trends are fun and I want- They are fun. They're like 10 seconds. I'm like, I can make content in 10 seconds. Like, absolutely. Let's go. Bing, bang, bang. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Love it. Not going to stop that necessarily. But that, it only goes so far. Mm -hmm. You have to have other stuff in there too. And as soon as I started doing that, I've gotten more interactions. Totally. I've gotten more people. People do respond to authenticity. And I think one thing that I've always, I've thought to myself recently was like, I don't have any open haters and that's how I know that I'm not living authentically because I do think that's how you get Oh my god. That's the feedback that you almost are looking for when you know you're cuz your authenticity is going to trigger somebody or going to make somebody uncomfortable in a way that's real because often the loudest and most authentic people it bothers people often. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It makes people feel like, "Well, who the fuck are you to be so outward and free and whatever?" And I never get negative comments, which is a great thing. Like, I'm grateful for that. My mental health is grateful for that. That's wonderful. I'm also not very online on Instagram anymore. Like, I'm far less consistent than I'd like to be. But even when I was posting all the time, it was overwhelmingly positive. And I think that was my telltale sign for me that I was like, oh, I'm not showing up as authentically because you can't be for everybody. You know, that's how I knew I was watering myself down to be super digestible because I was like, I... I, I of course there's going to be people that don't like me I'm like there has to be otherwise it That's doesn't so yeah. interesting dude you're like this conversation I knew I knew we were gonna have a great conversation yeah but- I didn't know I was gonna take this Ooh. turn though I like it a lot I know I love it I love it but you're making me realize like in the last couple of months I've gotten more negative comments so I'm doing something right I love that yeah absolutely because I've had people pot. be like, thanks for sharing. I'm gonna go make a steak I'm like, yeah okay. fuck off dude fan fan yeah. go you do like, you yeah. Okay. Why are you telling me that? The because other... you poked something by being, I think, at least maybe that's just like my delusional way of justifying negativity, but I do I think bought in it in right away. Yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, okay. It. Positive spin. <laughs> um, but I do stand by it. And I think for the most, like, this is obviously not including in here. I am going to go fucking caveat myself, but I think obviously if you create a video that has like harmful undertones and someone is like thoughtfully responding saying, I don't really think that this is maybe the best take. And I could like thoughtfully take that in. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like people being petty or like making fun of stuff. Because I I do think that for the most part, the more authentically you show up, the more people are going to gravitate to you, but the more people it's probably going to also annoy. And part of that is probably- That's my new resolution. Yeah. Part of that is same. Is (laughs) um, 
probably from this place for me, at least, and I'm guessing you can relate to this a little bit, right? Is like the acceptance piece. It's like that, like wanting to be at the end of the day, like all of us really do want this like feeling of acceptance, but then Mm -hmm. absolutely realizing that it like isn't maybe necessarily healthy to look for that solely from the internet. Yeah. And look for it so resoundingly. Like I think one of the reasons that I've always like, whenever I got a little bit of attraction on a post or post, like for a while, my reels were doing like insane. Like I was getting like 15 to 45,000 views a reel for a few months there. It was like crazy. Like every single one I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, too big for my britches. Like, I don't deserve this. Like, they, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't know what my messaging imposter is. And then syndrome. Would just drop off. To, huge imposter syndrome. And also just like a doubt in like why people would even find value in my content at all. And I think one thing that has been helpful in me having more boundaries with social media has been like me building back my identity and like my sense of mm-hmm. self and knowing that like, I think I still have that voice of who the fuck even really cares, but in a way that's been freeing. And that's why mm. I changed my 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 handle from the greener good to just my name because it felt like the greener good pinholed me into only talking about sustainability and having this very like unequivocal voice of everything has to be seen through this lens of like how it's harming the planet. And it was a really constraining place for me to create from because right. I was like, how can I talk about like my like I just went to Boston or I went to Chicago sorry for a surprise birthday trip for my partner and it's I would have never even put I would have put my phone away for the entire weekend I wouldn't have posted anything because I went on a flight and so that's stupid you know what I mean I want to be able to share my life and I want to be able to celebrate fun things that are happening and obviously we flew economy on you know what I mean it's like I, I wasn't flying private like for me again the fire needs to be on the celebrities billionaires corporations that are flying private five times a day not on a person that hasn't flown for the last six months and would like to take his her boyfriend on a like 30th birthday trip having that compassion for yourself you know what i mean yeah and i'm like that's just needs to be the case but that's why i changed my handle initially because i was just like i can't only post about when i'm picking up garbage because i truthfully do it probably more than the average person but if i did it that if that was the only time I allowed myself to create, it wouldn't be very often. So I just wanted to show up as myself and show, I think this is like a good reminder for myself of why I changed it in the first place was to share yeah. more of just like a person that cares, but maybe it's not their entire identity. Like they also have, again, nuance and compassion for themselves and they lead a semi-interesting life that also cares about people and planet. And it doesn't have to be like, um, yeah, just like this hard line in the sand. But, but I think I need to, be better at that because I still have that voice of being like, well, who gives a shit if they're following me for sustainability? Like, why would they care about me doing this? But I think people care about people now more than their niche necessarily. Like, I think people do follow for education or whatever, but I think it is also because they like the person. And I need to, it, it is a good reminder for me to just be myself and put myself out there as me. And the people that will come will come. And the people that will leave were not there to be like, it's yeah. just how it needs to go. I'm just genuinely curious. Did you notice a big dip in followers after changing your name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. But to be honest, it felt like a little bit of a relief because Mm. I was, okay, those people are gone. It was almost like a nice little restart for me. Yeah. And it also was a good reminder for me to just stop caring about the numbers. I think when my posts were doing well, it was really hard for me to post anything after that because if they didn't do well, it felt like I was like losing my momentum. And now I think I just need to get back into the habit of just like 
honestly doing fun things in my life and doing things that I care about and documenting them in a way that feels authentic. And then I think that's the only way, like, I don't really love Gary Vee, but I do think he has a fun, I guess a quote where don't create, just document or whatever. And I think that's yes, what I've I'd like to do. And I notice, Yeah. And I think a lot of the times my like content dips when my lifestyle dips, like when I'm not leaving the house very often, like during the gray days of January, like I wasn't doing anything. So why would I post anything? I'm just at home chilling. You know what I mean? So it's a good reminder for me to also try to live a fulfilling life. Cause then it makes me a lot, it just a lot easier for me to then let that shine and let that show. Yeah. Yeah. It's more I, often basically. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, yeah, same. I just realized, so I've, this is the one thing that has stayed consistent throughout the podcast is I've answered, or I asked the same question in the beginning, but I forgot because mm-hmm. I was so okay. excited to talk to you and then I breezed right by it, but I'm, I'm actually incredible. genuinely curious of your answer to this consciously clueless. The name of mm-hmm. the podcast came from that place of being like both wanting to learn and having space for not knowing. And I just like mm-hmm. asking people like right now on the spot, where do you feel if there was a spectrum from clueless to consciousness? Like, what do you feel like right now? Oh, I love that question. And I think if I'm not going to put other people on the bus, I think <laughs> if, you, if you feel like you're all the way at conscious, you probably aren't. So I, I think there always is room for cluelessness. And I think that's a healthy place to be. So I would say, I don't want to be like, just I'm right in the middle, but I do think that it swings across the middle and not in like a centrist have no opinion way, but just, I think I'm always flooding towards, I think I have the answer to holy shit, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then back again. That was literally like my intro to the podcast for the first year. It always feels like it just swinging in the wind. Yeah. I think though, the more authentically I feel like I can be myself, just in my everyday life, like without my phone, um, the more conscious I feel like I can be in my body and in my life. And that's been something that my mental health has definitely felt better than it has in a very long time for my ability to just like pause and recenter myself and not be so dysregulated. And in that sense, I feel like I'll give myself a little bit of credit after many years of therapy. I do feel like I'm a little bit more conscious than clueless, but there's lots of cluelessness in there too. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. I really definitely relate to that. (laughs) Is there anything that you want to share with listeners today that I didn't give you space to do so? Anything you're working on or want to highlight? Honestly, the only thing I'll, I do have a podcast actually. It's not really to do as it is. It has a little bit to do with personal growth and relationships and love. And I host it with my close friend, Aline. It's called Accidental Friends. And that's very fun. We have a good time every Thursday. I'm just going over everything from like feminism to mm-hmm. being the tomboy in school, like all these kind of things and how it's affected us growing up. We both have very different upbringings. So it's like that contrast between the two of us. But I'll also shamelessly plug my TikTok, which is just at Kristen.Mandela because I have a lot of fun on there. And I feel like it is a space where I can show up more authentically online. So yeah, I've noticed that I've like, I've, cause I'm following you on TikTok. Obviously. It's a very different, it's a very different vibe than my Instagram. Yeah. I'm like, you should <laughs> probably more than those videos be. from Instagram. Like, I know. Just put them on I Instagram. That. I know, but I get nervous. <laughs> I know. No, I should totally. Though. I should. I so appreciate you. I honestly adore you. You were like an early person Same. I followed in this space years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just really appreciate having these online friendships. It's funny. Yeah. We've known each other for like many years now. Isn't it? I know. see each other in person one day. I would love to. I just want to make like a circle tour of the world of all these amazing oh my people God, I've met. It's so special. Ugh, someday, someday. I actually do want someday. to travel and do some fun stuff in Canada sometime, maybe in with maybe even with the bus. So we'll see. Oh, we'll love see. that. Well, let me know. I'll be I here. Would, <laughs> I will definitely let you know for sure. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thank thank so much you. For me. This was wonderful. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. In 2016, Mint Mobile was born because its founders thought that Big Wireless was, well, dumb. So they decided it was time to create a smarter wireless company, one that extends its middle finger to conventional truths while also pointing out where Big Wireless is letting people down. They're online only. You can buy plans that are three month, six month, 12 month, no contracts, choose to stay as long as you want. There are no overages. There's no surprises. There's just no BS. And for someone who lives in a remote area like myself, I can attest to the fact that the service is great and I have truly had no problems and oftentimes is better than the big wireless companies I was with before. To find out more about how Mint Mobile can work for you, hit the link in the show notes so they know that I sent you. (laughs) 